Hello, and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viber Goalkeeping. Today's guest is one of my favourite people on the planet. Born in the northeast of England, she's formed part of an unbeatable Southern Ladies backline and is currently doing the business for Hibernian women in the SBFL1. Welcome to the show, Charlotte Potts. Pottsy, how are you doing? Are you all right? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Stop it with that intro you'll make. <laughs> I, I did that on purpose. I, I like to I like to do a, a nice big massive intro um, just to see how you take it. You took it well. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, start off with the current stuff. It's unfortunate that it feels like almost every podcast has to start this way, but nonetheless, for the past year, we've been dealing with a, a pesky virus. So I think we're seven games into the season with yourself, with Hibs, but the current COVID-19 pandemic has put sort of a halt, shall we say, to every league game, apart from the top two divisions, I think, uh, men's divisions in Scotland. So you suffered a similar fate last year with a season curtailing in March. How are you finding the, the current lockdown? How are you keeping yourself occupied? You know, I've got a very similar approach to the last lockdown, to be fair. It's obviously just the difference in weather and the fact that we're now in, uh, we now have dark nights. But that's probably something that just can be added to help you get a little bit more discipline. I mean, knowing that it's absolutely chucking it down outside and still have to go about your business and get your running done. And in that, you feel a bigger sense of achievement than when you used to do in the summer. And it was a probably a luxurious run <laughs> yeah I mean I, I feel like it's I'm finding this one a lot tougher and it is because of that but this is probably a question I'm asking for myself as opposed to the audience so forgive me in advance but um you're someone who like really believes in the, the mental aspect of mm-hmm. being prepared and, and making sure that you know your mind's right so your body's right which I think is a great way to be so I think a lot of people are struggling with the dark nights and a lot of people are struggling with the fact that it is chucking it down I certainly preferred the the sort of summer runs, there was so much better. You could get more of a sweat on, there were lighter nights. How do you how did you change your mindset so that you were as healthy mentally now as you were maybe in the, the summer one? Do you know in the summer one I was probably hard on myself all of the time and I'd used to beat myself up if I didn't get everything done that I wished to in that day, which it did make me a little bit um more productive. However, this time around, um I'm recognising that sometimes it's okay to accept when you're not always motivated. Uh, I think I recently read a book, actually. It's an amazing book, Think Like a Monk. And it was like, they put it in the sense of, we wake up on a morning and we have to, like, brush our teeth, get washed, get ready. It's a similar sense to that when you're not feeling very motivated. Just recognise and accept that it's okay to be like that. And I think that's kind of what I've done this time around, just to feel a little bit more at peace and go easier on myself. But at the same time, when I do need to work hard, that's when I I go for it and push myself. So I think a lot of people have spoken about routine and stuff like that. I'm I'm assuming, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming routine is quite a big thing to you as well. Like what's your, what's your routine like throughout sort of a normal day during lockdown restrictions yeah I mean I try to get up as early as I can um and I make sure like it's funny enough like I make my bed as soon as I get up because I know as soon as my bed's made I can't lounge around in it it's the first task of the day it'll get you get you started onto more tasks and then I have an ice shower (laughs) ice shower 
no it it's actually become a bit of an addiction because not only does it like wake you up but like it's a lesson of gratitude like i don't know i just feel like not everyone in the world has hot has the luxury of hot water and it sounds stupid but it teaches you gratitude and it's like you turn on that hot water and you're like ah oh. when, when you say an ice shower do you mean like a cold shower do you mean like an actual bucket of ice like in a wheelie bin or something that well, i like got this it, wrong it's a cold shower but obviously we're in winter at the minute so all so the cold water is coming extra cold well yeah especially up here i mean i think you're back at home at the moment is that right i am yeah i'm engaged at the minute so it'll be slightly warmer than it is in Edinburgh, ever so slightly, but not much. But what? Like, it's only two hours down the road. I know, but we like to pretend it's colder up here, you know what it's like. Like, we like to pretend that it's much colder, but it's, it's actually sometimes colder down in the northeast, isn't it? I mean, I was back down, well, before the last lockdown, before Christmas, and mm-hmm. it was proper frosty. It's almost like got colder, but you kind of be, that's it's the beach air, isn't it? But you've got a beach in, in Edinburgh, thankfully, that you can visit and stuff yeah, like that. I'm I actually live right next to Portobello Beach and it's, oh, it's so beautiful. The first lockdown you would have been living in, um, you would have been in the Northeast. Did you spend any of the lockdown in Edinburgh? Or did you go back pretty fast or have you spent time in both? Uh, I spent time kind of in both, but I went up as they were starting to bring the uh, restrictions down a little bit. And then it's been strange because I have obviously had to keep an eye on the uh, English guidelines and the Scottish guidelines, yeah. being careful when I can and can't cross the border. And oh, it's been confusing, but... It becomes a challenge, is not it? I feel so uh, grateful when I get the uh, chance to enjoy being at home because I know some people can't. I quite um, enjoyed your, your mindset that you were saying before about um, not being too harsh on yourself if you if you sort of have a day where you think you haven't really pushed yourself hard enough. But please tell me you still have days where you literally just lounge around and watch TV now and again. Surely you have one of those days and give yourself a treat. Nah, I can't. <laughs> like, for some reason, if I if I force myself to have a rest day, and I mean, I do need it now and again, but I, ended up, I end up at the end of the day feeling guilty and where I'll I'll pick my book up as as long as it's something where I'm going to either learn mm-hmm. focus on the mind or help train the mind or train physically that may feel like I've accomplished something for the day if I could do multiple things of more of one of those in one day then like that's me having a productive day but unless I'm physically physically exhausted that's when I will just be couch potato when you are like I mean, because I, I found it quite difficult. I was speaking to you sort of off um, off air before and mm-hmm. I was talking about how I just bought a bike because obviously it's doing my nothing, just being able to go for runs. I want to do a bit more. But I mean, I, I was the kind of person that would go to the gym and go to classes and, and, you know, be probably more active than some people were. But you're obviously consistently training. But with everything closed and things like that, have you found it a, an obstacle not to have the things at hand? Or have you found it more of a a fun challenge to kind of keep your fitness up when you maybe don't have the tools that you'd normally have at hand? I can honestly say this has been the first time where I've had this, I have had a little bit of struggle and I have had to rely on people motivating me. And um, even my mom, like, even if she comes in and she's like, well, you're usually on it all the time. Like what's up? Or like, for example, yoga, I like to do yoga by myself. 
and just really focus on my own mind and not have to watch anything and listen to my music. But I put a YouTube channel, I put put a yoga on a, on the YouTube channel just to give may have someone else give me that motivation. Mm-hmm. Because I struggle to get it done myself. Um but like what I said before, you you need to go easy on yourself sometimes and just accept that it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to during this this period, haven't you? Because it's got to a point where there's probably a lot of people struggling. And I think you're someone who, I mean, I'm kind of speaking for you here, but from what I know of you, you're very much, if the mind's healthy, the, the body can then mm-hmm. go on and be healthy and, and vice versa. And I think you've got to make sure that everything up, up here is, is also fine as well. Um, you touched on yoga there before. I was, I was going to ask, do you get into yoga and stuff like that? Is there anything you do which is not seen as maybe a strenuous workout, so to speak, like things that kind of settle the mind and things like that? Is there any recommendations you've got for yoga for people who might want to try? Oh, definitely. Um, because with football, it's obviously an injury, injury prevention as well. Mm-hmm. Strength required from uh, yoga, like the strength and flexibility that you get out of it's amazing. But not just that. If you're really present in the moment and you're focusing on your breathing and you're just being so present in the moment, it's good for the mind. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a meditation. Now I think I could be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure you listened to the Jay Comfrey podcast. Um, I love them. Did you listen to the one with uh, Matthew McConaughey? Yes, and he is my favorite actor. I've listened to his uh, his Green Lights. I had the audio book. It's incredible, got, isn't he? Yeah, he's amazing. He's got such a good mindset. But I actually used to follow his motivational speeches as well before he brought his book out and his podcast. Um, I just love how he talks about like the process of knowing who you're not to know who you are. Mm-hmm. I love his um when he was talking about. Well, there's a lot of things that he spoke about, but particularly on that podcast when he was talking about um, sleep and stuff like that as well and how, like, if he's had a particular bad day, he'll go back and speak to his, his wife, I think it was, and he, they'll make a list of the things that maybe when he's had a good day that hasn't happened, and the first one will be like, well, have you had your nine hours sleep? And he'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, no, when you got six or seven, well, well, that's your first thing, try and get the nine hours sleep and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will listen to, I think me and you listen to it, and obviously we're inspired by him, but... I think sometimes people would listen to that and go, oh, mumble jumbo, like that, that's not possible. It's, it's all right for a Hollywood superstar. But yeah. you, you can take stuff from that, can't you? Like, do you take quite a lot of learnings from, well, I think I think, I'm, I think I know the answer to this question, but you take a lot of learnings from, from other people and put your own slant on it though, don't you? Oh, definitely. And I think in life, you've got to be so open-minded to listen to all different types of personalities. And it's like if you read a book, sometimes if you're reading a couple of pages and you're thinking, oh, this is this is just absolute jargon. This this doesn't interest me. But then you might come up a, up with a paragraph that really grabs your attention. It's like anything in life. You have a conversation with someone, and the they're talking to you about a particular subject, and then all of a sudden they grab your attention. Sometimes something just grabs your attention so quickly, and it's like anything in life. It's like a lyric in a song, isn't it? Sometimes it's particular one line that just speaks to you. Definitely. We're going really deep here, which is great, which I like. Um, we're doing our, doing our <laughs> own people, version. People don't like getting this deep, but... Uh. No, I like it. I like it. I, I think I was um, I was 
chatting to, I can't remember, I was listening to something with day actually, and it was something with you, I can't remember what it was, it was something that you were on, we're talking about getting deep and stuff like that, and I think you are on the top of it, like on the outside, you're quite a bubbly, yeah. like like chilled out personality, but you're actually really deep, aren't you? Um, That's the thing though as well, like I can be a bit of both, and I think it's really difficult for people to understand me at times, because mm-hmm. I have got a humorous, humorous side to me as well, but it's just whether someone can get that out of me or not. And there's probably only a few people who do. And I love it when they do because I like being bubbly. I find it quite funny when people had, especially last season, before probably I knew you personally, and there was a lot of people that did the, they did that thing where because you'd put in a tough tackle, because you looked like you kind of like were like up for a battle on the pitch, people would naturally think you're quite a, a moody or an angry person or, or something like that. And like, I think that's totally not you at all. I don't, I don't think you're the person, I mean, everyone gets angry at some point, but I don't think you let it really come into your mindset, do you necessarily? Well, it's an act, isn't it? You've got to put on a character. It's like, pitch, yeah. if, that's, if that's, to be honest, that's how I got a full scholarship in Florida because the coach actually heard from other coaches in England that I was a bitch. Um, <laughs> excuse the language. But oh, that's fine. I mean, who, what centre forward is one going to want to come across a centre half who's a bitch? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're going to know you're in a game, aren't you? Put it that way. Like, it's not like you're going to go into a game and, and think, oh, well, like, you know, don't know what she's like. She's quite a deep, nice person, bubbly on the outside. <laughs> it's like, like oh, there you go. There, there's a gap. Go run past me. No. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Lost. <laughs> but one real big benefit of lockdown, if there is one, is we do get time to do stuff like for me it's been great to get the podcast done for other people it's been great to connect with other people and have um zoom quizzes and things but i noticed you've been doing quite a lot of charity stuff you kind of thrown yourself headlong into that through both lockdowns i think um what have you got sort of coming up at the moment and, and is it something you'd like to get involved with more uh definitely um i think i started getting involved in charity work when uh with the the cancer research the 24-hour air run where you had to run within a team for 24 hours on and off with air and that was when I worked in a school so that really grabbed my attention and it just makes you feel a little bit of fulfillment that you're actually doing something for a worthy cause and I was asked recently to be involved with the the affinity cup uh, which is kind of going to be like an FA cup mm-hmm. or charity and I think that's amazing how this team's going to be competing with each other in a tournament just to raise money like how amazing is that raise money and having fun in it yeah but it's like having fun at the same time uh so i was delighted to be asked to get involved with that and obviously you've been involved with um show racism and red card for it's been quite a while now that so it's something that you've it's obviously something that you can see from the outside looking in that is quite close to your heart not that just that particular um charity and, and um I can't think of the word. I will say company. I, I know that's not the right word, but um, yeah, charity really. Charity, they're yeah. an educational based charity because we're like we have to have that uh, income to be able to produce what we do, and yeah. sometimes we need to get educated ourselves to be able to educate others. And how much I've learned from that charity is amazing. By the way, um, how did you get involved with it? I was asked to do a, be on an interview panel when I was at Sunderland and mm-hmm. 
just I was with Gary Bennett, George Dobson and Alan Miles Turk and honestly Gary just the stories and his experiences I could really connect with the type of like childhood I've had growing up and some of my personal experiences I really related and I was just taken back by the kind of work that they do and I wanted to be involved with it and I was delighted when they asked me to be more heavily involved. Because I can imagine Gary's got, I mean obviously I've, I've met Gary once or twice and I'm sadly old enough to remember him playing football in his pomp um, but it was a different era um, for for all the negatives you know you've got to be honest that there was stuff that when I was young you you certainly shouldn't and, and wouldn't hear these days and for all the right reasons but unfortunately for footballers like Gary um, he would have probably experienced that so there's probably a lot of learning he can give to a lot of different people. So it's probably no surprise that, that he has done that. But you touched ever so slight there on, on George Dobson. You know I'm a big George Dobson fan. Um, <laughs> nobody else is, but you chucked it in my now that he's now that he's sadly left on loan, my um my heart flickered a little bit there with him. So we best move on. Um I didn't want to delve too far away from what we've been chatting with as much as I hadn't planned on it, because I've I've quite enjoyed that element of it. But in a way, this sort of ties up. You touched on you know, your childhood and stuff like that. I'm quite curious as to how, I'm always curious as to how, especially people my age and, you know, around my age, girls mm. get into football because I remember the Northeast and I don't remember any girl footballers at my school. That's changing now and it's great. But when, I mean, you're, I think, five, six, maybe even seven years younger than me, which is, makes me feel terrible. Mm. Um, but how did you get into football and what was your sort of pathway uh, so, like, my mum and dad had their own grassroots club and um, my dad managed a team for my brother and my mum had another team. And when they seen how enthusiastic I was with football, I mean, even being two, three-year-old, wearing football boots with cotton wool stuffed in because <laughs> of this, <laughs> um, they were like, we need to start a team. So it just ended up being a team on a Saturday morning when I was four-year-old year with a group of boys and... We went on to play together the same group up until we were like 11. Well, that's when I had to leave and that was heartbreaking for me. But uh, it was just amazing to be with boys who would like support you in with your talent. And it's like, I, I just was so grateful for being around a lot of lovely lads. I love that about the Northeast. I mean, I've spoken to players that, you know, sort of slightly older than you, some I think that are a couple of years younger, like um, Jill Scott, Beth Mead, people who've been in and around like the Northeast hub. Mm-hmm. And I think like the Northeast is such a football place when it comes to, and I said myself, you know, I had, I didn't see any girls playing football mm-hmm. um, at my school, but the female footballers, footballers I've spoken to from the Northeast all have the same story. They go, the boys didn't care. Um, like no, no one, it was not weird. No one cared less. <laughs> Everyone thought I was a boy with long hair, honestly. So <laughs> that's a bit harsh on yourself. But I, I'm all right with that because, like, and I even spoke recently with some of the lads who I used to play football with, and they were like, "Potsy, like, you never ever played girly." So do you yeah. play thinking that, and I don't. <laughs> that was the that's another thing I think that I kind of took from the people I've spoken to, and you've probably got a similar story. Is that I think. 
in my head, I was like, I can't remember who I asked, but I think it might have been Jill Scott. I could be wrong. But did did the boys, when you were like really young, like early teens, take it a bit easier on you because, you know, you were a girl? Was it seen that way? And she was like, oh, absolutely not. I just get kicked all over the shop. I think Beth said the same. Um, you'd want that though, don't you? You do want that. Like you do want that kind of mutual respect that you're... I didn't. Sometimes I did recognise why they didn't want to come in for a tackle. And it really, really used to bug me. So I mm-hmm. used to purposely run hard on them. And that would change their mindset. <laughs> they, would then, they would then try to come back at me, but I'm all right with that. Like I want, I wanted that. Do you know when it comes to like playing with boys? Um, again, I'll go back to the previous interviews I've done, and I've, I've asked. I think I asked. You know, do you wish it was girls that you played with, and it was you were maybe not so much? Do you wish you were born in the era of of now, but the way that you know. Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, uh, Lucy Bronze, they're now worldwide names. They're not just like, oh yeah, she's not bad. They're like, they have, they bring money in, same as much as the men, as popular as men, as famous as the men. So naturally that means a lot of girls get more involved in football because they see a pathway and it's inspiring. Um, so sometimes you think, oh, I wonder if footballers who are playing now wish their childhood was you know, of their same gender. But most people I've spoken to say the other way around, they're actually a lot more happier with the fact that they played against majority boys when they were young would you agree with that yeah definitely and you know what I'm feeling so grateful and that I'm getting experience the transition of it Mm. like and it's knowing the struggles that we go through of sacrificing financially it, it teaches it teaches you so much to be able to have to go through hardships and like it makes you more resilient so definitely not I think like I'm happy that I've experienced it this way yeah Mm -hmm. because it feels like a lot of the time would be discussions about it and it's well, about how far has the, the game come? And it almost feels like a, a negative that back in the day, it almost feels like there was no positive, shall we say, like when players were being like, oh, girls football wasn't seen as a big thing, so it must have been, it must have been so hard. But every footballer that I've spoken to has said, I absolutely loved like my childhood growing up and playing with the boys and getting in boys' teams. Like There was not a negative to it. Um, I think the majority of people prefer that, don't they? Well, do you know what? I think when I'd done the podcast with uh, the Sunderland Echo, there was someone comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was someone commented that uh, about my mum. They knew my mum, and that she was the the best footballer in her school, better than all the boys. But she never had them opportunities. Yeah. And I think I touched upon that on a social media once, saying like, because I was coaching it for college at the time, and I was wanting to get across the message to the girls that I coach, like, don't take things for granted. The facilities that we've got got right now as female footballers, like the coaching, the the quality of coaching, like we feel we should feel so appreciated to have that. Yeah. Because back my back when my mum was young, she had nothing. She wasn't even allowed to play football, which is heartbreaking. Because I know her mindset and I know the type of person she is, and she she would have been a great athlete. Your mum's a very you know shy, shrunken violet, to my knowledge. <laughs> Do you know her? Are you sure you actually know her? It was the it was the Middlesbrough game. Um, me, me and Ashley hadn't been going out that long, and it was the Middlesbrough FA Cup game where Sunderland won. You won four three um, before I even joined Borough, and I, I think she was on the balcony at Heaven, and it was just like 
we heard something got I can't repeat what it was that was shouted but I remember just turning around and going what's that and, and Ashley was like who's that and I was like I don't know this for certain but I'm gonna say that's Potsy's man like and I was right all along I used to make it a law like an absolute rule that she had to be quiet at games when I was involved with like Sunland development and uh, because she used to purposely try and get in my head to make me aggressive because she thought that making me an aggressive player would do me the world of good when it is a matter of fact like we have to be in control of our emotions like she didn't realize what it's like to be in a professional football environment so like it got the point where I made her be quiet but obviously I've mastered all of the uh, emotional mental resilience now that I just let I get on with it <laughs> yeah you could say that there'll be one or two things that people remember where maybe that is the case but yeah she, you know I, I love you mum I think she's great um I would never ever criticize anyone that's as passionate as that I think she's fab and I'm going to go really deep here and this is a question I wasn't intending on asking but um we've spoken an awful lot about inspiration from a podcast Matthew McConaughey inspiration as a kid and, and all that kind of stuff too. but how much of an inspiration has, has your mom been growing up do you know what, like, when I had that tough time where I had to take time out mm-hmm. of football, like, I connected with my mum in a way that I've never, ever before. And, like, understanding her difficulties as well as my own and how her, like, her difficulties affected me. And, like, it really opened the doors for communication and understanding and, ever since then like everything I do now is like to like make her proud but like also hoping to achieve success where I knew she could have done that mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah absolutely. so and I mean some of the things that she's dealt with no wonder like I get so emotional at times mm-hmm. uh we are getting deep aren't we yeah so deep. And I think this is why I got, got into boxing because I used to box to control my aggression from that, from her character and the te- like the type of experiences I had in school from uh from kids in school being bullies and I just think like I'm grateful because it's taught me taught me a lot in life. Yeah. And it, it even we're talking about your childhood here, but I think it's continued on as well, hasn't it? I mean, what, you know, 26? Mm-hmm. 26. There we go. See, spot on. Um, but I think even now it, it continues on, though, doesn't it? It's like it. Yeah, your mum doesn't even follow me, but if I mention you on social media, she's straight in the replies. Like, straight away. <laughs> like, and it's not a kind of like a, you'll get that kind of show-you-off mum. You'll get that show-you-off parent. That will happen. It's not like that at all from what I can see. And it's sometimes hard to convey context, but with your mum, it's actually not. Um, I think she continues to, to drive you and stuff, even though, you know, I think a lot of people would look at what you've achieved so far and be like, oh, well, brilliant. I think she's very proud of you, but I think she wants to push you even further, doesn't she? It's all perceptions and that, isn't it? What you get from social media and opinions. And like, I think you learn to just let people have them yeah. uh but yeah that's all that that's all that she wants from me she just wants what's best and i'm so grateful that she's supported me in the most difficult times and i mean i'm 26 and i'll admit i'm still living at home do you know what i mean like having to rely on her in a part-time position uh so yeah like 
everything that I do is to try and like just give her what she uh, what she deserves, really. Yeah, just kind of repay whatever she's <laughs> giving you back. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'm gonna go into. I think you. Were, I don't know the exact age here. I think you would have been about a teenager, based on the fact it was Gateshead College, but. Spoken a lot about success, um, and I found it quite interesting watching the interview that you had. And somebody asked, "What was your your greatest success?" And maybe it was like snobby of me to kind of expect you to say, "Oh, like the time I had with Sunderland, the final season," because I think it was before you joined Hibs as well. And obviously, it was such mm-hmm. a good season, and I kind of expected that. And you said Gated College because of how successful it was, and because it broke records and stuff. And um, can you talk me through a little bit about that period at Gator College and why that's such an important part of your career, I suppose? Do you know, I think that was kind of like the transition of my position as well from centre mid to centre back. And mm-hmm. I, I recognised what I'm truly about as a player when I was there. And the winning the winning mentality that I've got was like, I proved that I, I proved I've got that when I was a Gator, the fact that we got them records and that I scored when it mattered in each cup final. Um, and I don't know, I just learned, learned about myself as a, as a, as a player there. Not, not particularly a person, mm-hmm. because I was still under, understanding who I was, but as a player, the strengths that I had in terms of communication and leadership, they were brought out at Gator College. Was there any particular coach, manager, player that you played alongside that helped bring that out with you? Or was it more of a team effort as a whole, like success as a kind of unit? Well, I think Mel's always knew how to uh, how to, to drive me and uh, yeah. understand me as a person. Uh, so she actually recommended the uh, position, the transition with the position. Uh, so I was great. I'm grateful for her for that. Uh, yeah, I just think the team as well we had at Gator College was amazing. Like, we worked together as a team. There was no animosity. There was no drama. People were just genuinely nice people. And I think any football environment, when you've got a good group of people, you can connect together a lot easier. I think if everyone gets on, it seems to take out. There's, going back to Matthew McConaughey a little bit here, he talks about having having your people, having your group, yeah. And the group of people you should have around you, it should be almost like a choose your friends really carefully, I think, is kind of what he's saying in a, in a roundabout way. So when it comes to a, a team environment, you're talking, what, 15, 16 personalities there plus coaches yeah. and managers. So how often have you come across that in a team uh, where you find like a, not everyone necessarily fighting for the same goal, but like just the fact that it's an easy thing to be part of and, and how much does that play a part in the success of a football team from your experience? Well, I've been in both where I've been in a group in teams where we've all got on and I've been in teams where we haven't all got on really. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I used to, that used to really bring my confidence down when I found myself being around like people that I didn't click with. But now I'm older, a little bit wiser, understand that that's life. You yeah. get that in all walks of life, do you know what I mean? You just have to accept people for who they are and understand that there's a reason of why they have their own perceptions and sort of not take a judgmental approach to that. Do you think that's... I think you'd go back to teams in the 90s 
and it was about going out and getting drunk and being with your pals and being all together. And obviously that that doesn't happen now because the world's changed and it's probably well, unfortunate. Forward, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's, the pubs are shut. That's a start. <laughs> um, but I think it, you know, it's gone in, in, in nutrition and the, the amount of stuff that mm-hmm. is available to everyone now to kind of make yeah. an informed decision on how they want to live their life. It's quite easy to go down the, the route of eating the right stuff, drinking the right stuff, being in the right mindset. And sometimes it can feel quite, I suppose, from the outside looking in, sanitized um, from that golden days of going out and getting drunk and, and just getting to a point where you all just become good mates. Do you think that is kind of the new way of how to build a team spirit to kind of almost be aware of other people's differences and be respectful of it and how you can mold your own personality with it and vice versa? Do you think that's the way that team bonding now develops itself as opposed to maybe it did in the 90s or whatnot? I don't know, you know, I think there's just no concrete solution. I just think you have to let people live their life the way they like to live mm-hmm. um, and not sort of like change people because we just have to accept differences. Live and let live. Good yeah. way to live, isn't it? I agree with you on that. Um, I wanted to touch out so slightly on something that pains me a little bit, but I have to be fair to my guest here. Um, you do have a long association with Sunderland. Obviously, you joined them four times. So I think a lot of people associate Sunderland ladies with Charlotte Blossoms, just the right. way it is. But you spent time at Newcastle. You're a Newcastle fan. People know that. Um, I don't think it's ever had any influence on you playing for Sunderland, obviously not. But, you know, you are a, a black and white, essentially, which is where we differ. Um, but when you were at Newcastle, you, you won a promotion there with them. You also won Manchester Player of the Year there. So it was a successful time. Despite the fact that your time at Newcastle was a lot shorter than you know the team that is technically your rivals in Sunderland, how much did that spell teach you and how special was it for you as an individual and being a Newcastle fan? Well, do you know what? As proud as I was to play for Sunderland women when I was only 16 for a season, I wasn't getting any game time and that's, mm-hmm. that made me lose confidence. So I really needed to just go and be a, in a team where I was getting game time and I got that with Newcastle and I got accepted by the team really nicely and my confidence shot up so much and that showed on the pitch and obviously a reason why I might have got manager as player because I was so confident and just driven. Do you know when it comes to, there's been players that have made a a similar move, maybe not quite a young age, but um, Katie Barker, Georgia Gibson, Mm -hmm. um, two really good players who I'll openly admit I was really surprised to drop the division. Um, because of the experience you've had, can you understand moves like that to go and oh, get game time? Absolutely, I can relate to them. And sometimes it's just about enjoying the game again and getting that confidence back. And I think they seem to be enjoying it at the moment. So that's off to them. Do you think it's quite hard to, to do that as a, a youngster as well, or a teenager or someone in their early 20s to take a step down, take a step back to take two steps forward? Do you think it's hard to see that as a teenager? Absolutely, because when you're younger, I mean, this might not be everyone, but you start to worry about what people are thinking and mm-hmm. and that affects your mindset a little bit. And But if it's worth it in the long, t- long run, then so be it. People can think what they want. Yeah, so I mean, you're an example of it, it working out. You, you took a step back, but now you're, you're much further forward than you were then. So obviously it worked. And sometimes you don't recognise that until you're older and you see that the decisions you make shape you who you are. Yeah, just making sure you're keeping an eye on it, isn't it? Talking about moves, um, 
I, th- I think at any age, to be honest with you, obviously we're both friends with Tyler and I'm delighted mm-hmm. to see how well she's doing. But I remember thinking, Phew, she's moving quite far away. I think Tyler's, obviously she's a home girl, but she's got home comforts. Like a lot of people yeah. and just jumped out of her comfort zone. She's doing really well. Um, early days, but great to see her doing well. Now you made a, a longer move, shall we say, uh, to Canada in 2019, yeah. maybe slightly earlier. Um, me knowing your mindset and what we've spoken about beforehand, I suppose it's maybe less daunting for you to make a move of such significance compared to some other people. But but what made you make the move and what did you make of the entire experience? What did it teach you about you and what did it teach you about um, things that you like, things you don't like, things you want in your future? What was the entire experience, I suppose? Sum it up for me if you can. Well, actually, I was in LA for four months in right. 2018, which helped plan that move to Canada. Ah, okay. Um, and being in LA, that was where I learned that I can deal with the difficulties of being away from home and learning a new culture, being around different people um, to teach you gratitude because gratitude gratitude can be taught. Uh, and I thought that really prepared me well for the move to Canada. But also I knew that I was going to be going to an environment where I was going to be with my own family. I've got an aunt and uncle and two cousins out there. And I hadn't seen them for about 10 years. And when they were in England, I used to be really close to them. So it was also a chance to me to get to understand my family tree a little bit more as well. Um, Which, again, helps for when you go into football, understanding your background, understanding what hinders your development as a person. Uh, what pushes you, what drives you. Um, and, yeah, as much as it didn't work out uh, with the team over there, I got a lot from the experience. I mean, I ended, up, I ended up planning my business out there, so I definitely got something out of it. Do you know when it comes to like, moves like that, I'm probably going slightly off um, topic here, but I am going off topic. But with the the moves that have come into the WSL recently, mm-hmm. sometimes you see it go the other way around, and maybe they'll go to like Leon, like Nikita Paris, Lucy Barnes, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but obviously, there's been a huge influx of American players um, essentially coming over. You've got obviously Alex Morgan's been over. You've got Tobin Heath's come over um, for the season. Kristen Press. I know Alex has gone back. I think that was maybe slightly different to. Maybe some of the moves, but Abby Darkham has moved over uh, past couple of weeks. As someone who's played predominantly in uh, UK leagues, um, I imagine when you moved to Canada, that's at the time probably been more. I think Canada and America were probably ahead of UK in terms of women's football and has been for quite a while, but it seems like suddenly it's starting to level up. As someone currently playing in the UK, how bigger a deal is it that players are coming over from America to here now? Does that give you kind of hope that we're starting to level the playing field with countries and the popularity of the game? Do you know, I wouldn't necessarily say Canada and America are ahead in terms of football culture. Mm -hmm. I think they're ahead in terms of teaching discipline, teaching, uh, teaching players about the, like the lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I think the lifestyle that we're trying to promote in England now for our younger generation is how it's going to be a potential job for you now. So we're trying to teach you what 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 is required of you now 
so you prepared for that because when I was younger I didn't realize how much it actually took didn't re realize it's a 24 7 it's like 24 7 it's a lifestyle it's it's hard work and it's good that we're preparing the younger generation for that now so I think players in America who come over who have been on these full scholarships in university and they forced to get up at 6am for their gym sessions to be able to do their university work after training being tired um they're gonna help educate our younger generation that we've got in england for sure do you think that's maybe and this is a broad question but you look at the likes of um the games we've played against america recently the lionesses and america always just seem to have that little bit more be it mentality be it something a bit more physical, a bit more speed, something a little bit extra in those. Do you think it's because of that mindset that they've had for such long time and now ingrained in their culture of football? And do you think that's why they're maybe winning the World Cups that we aren't? I don't know. Potentially. I mean, in my honest opinion, I think it comes down to like emotional intelligence and mm -hmm. control and control emotions because once you can control them, you you remain focused and be able to install that discipline in your performance which does it does end up winning games yeah absolutely talking about mindset performance and all that kind of stuff i have to touch on it obviously it didn't end in the best way but i don't want to i don't labor on it it's been it's been done to death but the season you had with someone the unbeaten season um 2019 to 20 which it would have been you struck up a great partnership with, with Grace McCarty. I think you won every game in the league apart from one against Middlesbrough, funnily enough. Um, but you won every other game. Most of the cup games, you would have been in the cup final. Played against Birmingham, for example. Pushed them all the way. WSL team full of players that are still playing in WSL. One of them at Manchester United all over the shop. Um, that season in particular, I don't want to touch on what happened at the end. It's, it's like I say, been done to death. But... What was it about that year in particular that sort of clicked for you and the team? Because it seemed, and this is from the outside looking in, and apologies if I'm offending you in any way, but it felt like your leadership and your maturity levels just amped up a notch in that season and the whole team was the same. Um, mm -hmm. But what was it about that season that made it so special? Yeah, I think like I got that uh, trust from my teammates and from Mel. Mm -hmm. be that leader to um to commu to communicate and sort of be relied on uh but again you talked about the relationship i had with grace as a center back partner and that's really important like that it's a team effort you know what i mean and once you've got that strong bond where nothing can break you down because you've got that respect of each other that communication that understanding of the movements of knowing if she steps out, I've got I've got to tuck in. And I just think we're, we're such a tight-knit group in terms of having trust in each other. Yeah. Talking about the, the team as a whole, um, I think a lot of probably the Sunderland fans do have a lot of um, what could have been from that because of the players that were in there. But the players that are no longer there, like the spine of it, basically, yourself, mm -hmm. Molly, Bridget, you're all playing at a level higher than than that level at the time, which I think you would have been if the COVID hadn't happened. Um, do you think that where the players are playing currently, like yourself, Molly, Bridget, possibly even going to WSL there, do you think 
do you think that showed how much quality was within that squad? Um, how far do you think it could have gone if things had been oh, different? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I've seen Molly and Bridger playing games now and I'm seeing their development and I'm reflecting on my own games and looking at games I played at Sunderland compared to Hibs and seeing how much I've developed. And I think we only proved our quality when we played against Birmingham and we took them nil nil up until the eighty fifth minute where we got a we conceded an unfortunate goal. Um but like I said, the quality that we showed against Birmingham having not had the development that we've got now, what could it have been? That's all that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I imagine with I mean I know with some of the fans that, that sort of rankles a bit but, but it is what it is do you know it what is mean? what it is we've got yeah, to adapt with these uncertain times I mean <laughs> who expected a, a global pandemic nobody you've got to adapt and you've got to just accept the situation now I'm talking about adapting and accepting and, and moving forward obviously you're at Hibs at the moment we're touching it a little bit at the beginning but um Probably something that's been asked before, but how did the move to Hibs come about? Because I believe it wasn't just Hibs that were interested in you at the time. <laughs> Funny enough, there was a player who used to play for Sunderland who played for Hibs, and Mark McNulty mentioned that. Why Friend of the know? pod. Friend of the pod, Mark McNulty. <laughs> oh, yeah, you've had him on the pod, haven't you? <laughs> you went, Why don't you consider Hibs? And I hadn't actually thought about it, and that sort of like planted the seed. and sort of spurred me on following them following them up on social media um and that that sort of encouraged that obviously so thanks mark <laughs> you've been you've been quite far in terms of like i say canada and you mentioned before about la and stuff like that so it wasn't like you'd never traveled but um obviously edinburgh's a, a lovely city i've been in it plenty of times obviously been in glasgow mm-hmm. it's a really lovely city um Living in a different city in the UK, was that quite daunting in a way? Because it's it's kind of like the same culture, but a different city, a different viewpoint. Or do you do you like the idea of that? Do you like the challenge of like solidifying the life in a new city? I actually find it to be more challenging because I know I've got like a a close enough journey to just go visit home. So it makes me want to go yeah. home a little bit more. Uh, whereas when I was abroad, I used to have to force myself into the culture and forced to like make friendships and there was also the time difference where I couldn't I couldn't just pick up the phone the family whenever I wanted and yeah like find that independence myself whereas when I'm up in Edinburgh I sometimes still rely on having conversations with friends in Newcastle with the situation as it was as well in the situation we're still in um a lot of the time we've spoken before about uh, teammates and having a good mindset and being together as a team and, and getting to know people and working out with other people's personalities and then that's hard as it is but you took COVID into the situation where you're living in a bubble you live in a house with some players yeah. live, don't live with some other ones you yeah. can see some you can't see some how much more of a challenge is COVID from that perspective of getting to know teammates their personality how they work you know what you can gain from them what they can gain from you does covid make that 10 times harder or is there still ways around it absolutely because i mean the way to prevent like uh misunderstandings and misinterpretations is by having that communication and understanding of one another and i feel like i've only got that with a handful of our current squad especially not having changing rooms to like have a big banter 
um, because I'm, I'm all about the banter, especially before training. Uh, but I, I can't, I can't give that. I can't. It's like not me. Do you know what I mean? It feels like a, a almost a because obviously, um, the league you came from, the the league I work in with Middlesbrough, a lot of the time we've been able to have fans, um, restricted to an extent and. But because the attendances tend to be around the restricted amount we're allowed, you don't notice a difference. Yeah. Um, I've obviously been to see this season uh, against Celtic and I've seen you on TV and stuff like that, but there's no fans. So that's also another element as well. Like Absolutely. Like I, I've got sponsors in Edinburgh that I haven't even met yet. And yeah. I feel awful because I haven't met them. But what can you do? Do you know what I mean? Nothing at all. Um do you think that, in a way, I'm probably asking an obvious question here, but like when this is all over, which kind of feels a little bit like the diet starts today kind of comment, um, it's getting like that long in the tooth now with COVID, but do you feel like, you know, in the years to come, when this is over and if things are normal and we have kind of conquered it and stuff like that, that you'll learn more than you ever thought you did from this period of coronavirus and the 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 situation just put you in that you wouldn't have had in, in your professional career had it not been for COVID? Um, yeah, because it's it's taught, again, it's more adversity in the tank, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And once you have that, once you have that uh, experience with adversity, it makes you more resilient. And I don't know how much more resilient I'm going to become, to be honest. <laughs> Bring on this career in the future i tell you <laughs> i know i think i was gonna say you talk about getting getting aggression out i think we're all gonna take it up in our own way aren't we with uh <laughs> it's getting a little bit long in the tooth it, it, i find the weirdest thing i find for me is sometimes i'll talk about lockdown three and people in scotland go what you're on about I'm like well it's been three lockdowns like no graham it's been two in scotland and i kind of forget that it's only been two lockdowns um because that christmas one actually wasn't it was only english based wasn't it, it wasn't scotland based so technically scotland only had two lockdowns but God, I don't know. It's doing my head in, um, as we spoke about off air, to be fair. Um, one thing I, f- I find really interesting about the, the league in Scotland, and it is probably a little bit similar in, I, I think the National League is similar in the sense that Nottingham Forest have a lot more funding compared to someone like, say, Sheffield ladies. Yeah. So it creates a disparity because there's more funding and naturally more funding means you can do more you can train more you can attract better players because of the setup that's just the way it is um wsl's a bit different championships kind of like that the spfl one used to have more or less like one majority full-time in glasgow city then you had hibs that were part-time who would consistently finish second then all of a sudden rangers and celtic go right we're full-time that's it um when you're facing someone like your class as a part-time professional Rangers, Celtic, and majority of Glasgow City clusters, full-time professional. How is it you prepare yourself as an individual to face professional clubs that you know naturally have trained more throughout the week? Well, maybe not more than you like, but um, how do you prepare yourself for that? That's just fuel of the motivation, isn't it? Like, you just think, they're doing this much, I'm doing this much in my own time. Um like it just pushes you more. It's like I'm gonna to prove to you that it doesn't make a difference. I've yeah. got the knowledge. I've got the knowledge to be able to put, do it myself. I'm gonna show you now on the pitch. Doesn't matter if you're training full time. Do you know when it's come to this season and things as well? I think obviously your season with Sunderland, you very rarely had to reflect on the defeat. 
-hmm. with Hibs there's been one or two but because I mean you couldn't I'm trying to think the best way to word this but the Sunderland season you very rarely get a reflection of defeat naturally at most clubs you reflect on defeats more often than you do in that season with Sunderland because it was so infrequent what has taught you like this season maybe losing more games than you had done for quite a while in Sunderland what what do you pick up from defeats does that just add more fuel to your fire do you want to just kind of get back to winning more games? Do you pick apart the defeats more than you pick apart the wins? Like, or does your mindset stay the same regardless? It's taught me reflect, but not too much. Uh-huh. Don't get too don't get too hung up on it. Learn from your mistakes, but don't dwell on them. Yeah. Life goes on. Do you know what I mean? Don't overanalyze. It's a quick, it's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Um Final question, I suppose, is probably a difficult one for you to answer right now, but mm-hmm. we'll try our best with it. Uh, you've been at Hibs for a little over six months. So when mm-hmm. I ask, like, what year, what's your hopes for the future? It's probably Hibs in the, in the current climate. Um, but what are your ambitions? What is it you, you hope to achieve when you we're maybe having this conversation in maybe 10, 15 years' time? What is it that you hope you will have achieved? Where do you, you see as the holy grail of, of Charlotte Potter's career? Do you know what? Like, I'm very much, I'm very much learning that you just have to take things as they come and just live in the present. Of course, I've got aspirations to make it at the top and, um, to be full time. But I just things can change in life so quickly and so dramatically sometimes that you just have to enjoy the moment, live in the present, work hard, and control the controllables. Very much Matthew McConaughey's mindset that just to kind of bring it all back around to the beginning again, because uh, I think you're right in what you're saying. A lot of times people talk about the future and people talk about the lessons they've learned from the past, which we have done on this podcast. But the most important thing is the present, because otherwise you can't enjoy the past, the future or any part of it. So I think that's a good way to end. But um, I was going to say Charlotte, but I've never called you Charlotte in my life. But Potsy, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Charlotte, thank you very much. Thank you.